Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What's up and welcome inside our NBC Sports Edge NBA Playoff Preview Show. I'm your host, Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive. And coming up on the program today, myself along with the expert analyst from NBC Sports Edge NBA coverage, will be getting you ready for the 2020 NBA playoffs. Also, we're going to be catching in with some of our local content creators over there in the cities like Boston, Philadelphia, where they have playoff teams checking up in on those RSNs, getting reports live. So, we got a full program joint uh, to help to help you get ready for the NBA playoffs today. Let's start by bringing in our first trio of experts, my man Vaughn Dalzell, along with Max Shroop and the legendary Steve Alexander, getting ready to break down the Eastern Conference. And fellas, let's hop right into it and talk about some of these seeds right off the top. We see the Milwaukee Bucks come into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference as the top seed at plus 200, followed by the Celtics at plus 400. The Brooklyn Nets and the Miami Heat at plus 450 apiece. Let's get ready to hop in here and break it down, Vaughn. And let's start with the series that we do not know the opponent for the Miami Heat. That'll be repping tonight when the Cavs and the Hawks play in the final playing game. But the one seed Heat will take on either the Hawks or the Cavs. Vaughn, let me start off with you, my man. First, tell me about this series that we have coming up, game we have coming up tonight between the Hawks and the Cavs. And also, what do you think the Miami Heat can do in the first round? And how do you break down the Eastern Conference in general? So for tonight's game between the Cavs and the Hawks, I'm pretty excited to see Trey Young play basketball against Darius Garland tonight. I think those two are going to have quite the battle. So I'd definitely be looking at those two for props. I think the Hawks are the better team, the team that advances. They are the favorites as well. But looking at who's going to be a tougher test for Miami, it's an interesting question because Miami was 3-1 and one on, against the spread and on the money line against Atlanta this season with a two-point loss. So Atlanta has played them a little tough, but Miami was 1-2 ATS and on the money line against Cleveland this year. No Butler or Bam Adebayo in both those losses. Uh, they will have them for this series. So I think that Atlanta will be the tougher test. Cleveland hasn't saw the real Miami Heat yet this season. And I think with the depth that Miami has with guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess taking over the roles that Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero had last season, uh, they could be a lot better. So Atlanta, a team that's 12-4 and four on the money line in their last 16, I like them to advance and put up a fight against Miami, but I think Miami's a team that advances in that series as well. Yeah, I'm a little bit biased here, guys. You, If you're watching on video, you see the jerseys behind me. But uh, I do think the Hawks present a bigger problem. Trying to be objective, I think the Hawks present a bigger problem for the Heat. I mean, yes, the Hawks went 1-3 against Miami, uh, the last three matchups were decided by six points or less. And keep in mind, this Hawks team was 26 and 15 in the second half. 
quick math. That's a 52 win pace. And not to disrespect the Cavs, they have obviously have some talent. Maybe they get Jared Allen back, but Trey Young, no doubt, would be the best player that the Heat would face. And I would argue he'd be the best player on the floor in a Hawks Heat showdown. I don't think Miami wants to see him. Uh, with that said, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Hawks actually lost on Friday night in Cleveland. That that could easily happen. But I think the Hawks are a team that the more they stay alive, the more dangerous they become. It's almost like the most vulnerable they will be is Friday night in Cleveland. Survive that. I think they could really make some noise. Yeah, I don't like the fact that the Hawks are on the road against Cleveland tonight because they're not they're a much better team at home than they are on the road so I'm a little nervous about that I also don't love the fact that Jared Allen is going to attempt to play in that game he's calling himself 50 50 I mean this is do or die I think Jared Allen's going to be out there I don't think the Hawks want Jared Allen to be out there I would not want them out there if I was the Hawks I'm a little nervous about that but I still think Trey Young is too good and the Hawks are going to win that advance to, to play the Heat the Heat don't really scare me like usually you hear oh number one seed and you get you get scared of that team but the the heat just aren't they just don't uh, instill fear in me and i think trey young uh could really do some damage against them i think the heat would win that series but i think the hawks are going to put up a really good fight and like matt straup said i don't think anybody really wants to mess with trey young play trey young in the playoffs and i don't know man i i would not want to play the hawks if trey young's hot and if Bogey Bogdanovich can play through this left ankle injury, he dinged it up the other night. Uh, he's 50-50 to play. Uh, and he's, he's an important piece of what the Hawks do. So, But in the end, I think the Heat are going to win. But I, I hope the Hawks give them a good battle. No doubt. Now, I would agree with Doc on this one. We saw what the Atlanta Hawks were able to do last year as they came in there, made that run towards the Eastern Conference Finals, got all the way there. With that being said, I think they're going to be a tough out again this year. Now, we took many different twists and turns this season in the Eastern Conference. A lot of different storylines, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. And then we had the big trade in the season that sent James Harden to Philadelphia, sending Ben Simmons to Brooklyn. Now, one of the things that's been so interesting this season has been the talk around the Philadelphia 76ers. Their first-round matchup will be versus the Toronto Raptors. Should be a very interesting first-round matchup. Before we get the guys' thoughts on that matchup, I want to toss it out to NBC Sports Philadelphia, my man Danny Pommels with the latest on the 76ers. In order to beat the Raptors, it's funny, I think Danny Green is a big key to that. Think about it. He uh, has some great familiarity playing in Toronto, winning a championship there. He was a part of one of the best starting fives in the NBA last season as a part of the 76ers. And he brings some of those aspects that Matisse Thybul brings with the 3 and D. Much better shooting the three-point shot. Not as good defensively, but he's a great outlet for Joel Embiid when he's double and triple teamed in the post and getting him the ball on the outside to shoot those open jumpers. So I think the Sixers need to continue to play their ball, establish Joel early and often, really take advantage of those mismatches uh, with Achua and anyone else they want to throw at Joel Embiid. So it doesn't have to be James Harden and Joel in order to beat the Raptors. Establish Joel, get everyone involved, and Harden can be more of a playmaker than actually a guy who's pouring in 30 points a game. So I think that that alleviates some pressure off of Harden. They concentrate on Joel, the guy they've been riding all season. And they have to make sure they're getting back on transition D and matching the effort of the Raptors, which has been an issue in the past. Obviously, they've lost, you know, three of the four matchups they faced Toronto in this season. And Fred Van Bleet didn't play in three of those matchups. So the Sixers, as long as they're matching the effort and keeping it tight defensively, I think that they'll be uh, victors in six games against the Raptors. 
So, all right, thanks a lot, Danny. All right, we got the four or five matchup in the Eastern Conference, right? Philadelphia Sixers and Toronto Raptors. Before the season started, if you said this was going to be the four or five matchup in the East, it would have been a head scratcher. Doc, I'll start with you, then we'll hit Matt and Vaughn. What do you think of this matchup between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the Eastern Conference? You know, I like the fact that Danny talked about Danny Green because Danny Green has been invisible uh, in the regular season for like three years now. And I, I, I'm a fantasy guy. I can't, I'm not a Danny Green fan in fantasy basketball. But I think in the playoffs against his former team, he could play a big role in this. And I'm also kind of surprised that Danny did not mention Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers. I mean, that guy, even with James Harden there, even with Joel Embiid, still got it done night after night. One of the breakout stars of the season, I think. Everybody forgets about Ben Simmons because Tyrese Maxey was so good. You look at that Sixers lineup, Joel Embiid and James Harden get all the headlines, but Maxie and Danny Green and then Tobias Harris is sort of an afterthought, and he's a really good NBA player. I think that Sixers team is stacked. Um, Fred Van Vliet's got a right knee problem. He's going to play, but he's not going to be 100% these entire playoffs. I, th I think that's a huge problem for Toronto. Uh, I like the Sixers here. Steve, I'm glad you noted the uh, Danny Pommel's Danny Green synergy there. Great. Lo love the Danny synergy. Very strong. <laughs> um, and we also heard Danny, say, Danny Pommel say it. Harden can be a playmaker in that series. I would argue he has to be a playmaker in that series because Philly went 16-8 and eight overall with Harden. But I worry about his individual performance as a scorer. He shot 40.2% 40, from the floor with Philly and 32.6% on threes in 21 games with the Sixers. I think Harden needs to focus on playmaking. I think Harden needs to kind of set his scoring ego aside a little bit because I think his best asset right now at this moment is his passing. It's not his scoring. And Steve, I'm going to go ahead and uh, disagree with you because flipping this to Toronto's side of things, this team went 34-17 and 17 since the end of December. And I'm just going to shine the spotlight on Pascal Siakam for a, for a second because during that run, a 50-game stretch, this guy averaged 24 points per game, around nine rebounds, almost six assists, a steal and a half, 1.1 threes. Uh, was that blocks? Yeah. Anyways, shooting fantastic percentages, 50 from the field, 37% on threes. Uh, he won't be the best player in the series. That'll be Joel Embiid. But you could argue Siakam's going to be the best play second best player in this series. I think Toronto, top to bottom, is a really tough out. They're going to play tough, tough defense. And I like them to win this series. Yeah, I think this is going to be a tremendous series. I don't know. What side I want to go to, because we kind of talked about Tyrese Maxey, Doc, you just talked about him and how he's been the guy to step in for Ben Simmons to give them an offensive paralysis they didn't have before because Ben Simmons was scared to do layup shots, anything. But Fred Van Fleet, so I was looking at his comments uh, before practice a couple of days ago, and he had this to say about his knee. He said, I had a pretty good week of work. I'm getting ready for this series. It could go really good or really bad. I'm optimistic about it. I feel good, but I'll continue to do my work in my rehab. With that being said, Fred VanVleet not playing three games in the series, that's definitely a big deal because the Sixers haven't seen them, and, the, and they are, the Sixers are 0-4 ATS and 1-3 on the money line versus Toronto this season. So a big deal with v, VFF's injury presence and how he feels going into this game because as great as Siakam has, has been this season, as good as Scotty Barnes has been stepping up for them, and OG who also has some injury problems, the Sixers are clearly the better team and more talented, but depending on how they look in game one of the VFF, I'll be looking to live bet the Raptors in this series, whether to cover a series spread or win the series outright, because they have that little bit of a coaching edge, I would say, uh, with Nick Nurse, but they also have a lot of talent. They've been an undervalued team all season long, and I don't think they should be undervalued now.
couple of interesting takes right there. First of all, the fact that you said Nick Nurse has the coaching advantage over Doc Rivers is very interesting because most would say yes. Doc Rivers is probably a top 20 all-time NBA coach, but Nick Nurse has done a fabulous job with this team. I'm actually on the Raptors. It was the first bet I made was to bet the Toronto Raptors. Our buddy Jake had put in the chat, will James Harden fold in this series? The reason why I'm betting the Raptors is because I expect <laughs> James Harden to fold in this series. You definitely can keep the questions coming. Now, when you talk about teams up and down throughout the course of the season, you really got to look at the Chicago Bulls. Started out hot, looking like one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. We saw DeRozan go, DeRozan go through the historic run where he was scoring 30 points a night. And then after that, the Bulls fell off the map. Barely missed the playing tournament, but they get a chance to restart now. Let's head out to NBC Sports Chicago and get an update on the Bulls from our man, KC Johnson. All right, so Bulls and Bucks starting Sunday in Milwaukee. The Bulls are going to be prohibitive underdogs, not only for the way they finish the regular season, but also they're facing the defending NBA champions. What do the Bulls need to do to make this series competitive or maybe win it, which I don't see happening? They need to get easier baskets. They have struggled with this down the stretch of the regular season. They are not getting to the line with much frequency. They are shooting a poor percentage from three-point range. That's a shot the Bucks defense actually concedes. And this defense is elite that they are facing. They are so adept at walling off the lane, limiting the mid-range damage of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And they have elite defenders in Giannis and Drew Holiday and Wes Matthews off the bench. So you've got to get some easy points in transition. You've got to get to the line. Kobe White's got to make some three-point shots. That's offensively. Defensively, nobody stops Giannis. But it's better to get him going to the free-throw line than dunking on your head. You've got to foul him or wrap him up if he's in transition. That's the keys for the Bulls to have any kind of success in this series. All right, shout-out to my man, Casey Johnson. All right, fellas, let's hop in here and break this series down. I'm thinking it should be a quick one. Uh, Matt, let's start with you, and then let's hit Vaughn and Doc. Chicago Bulls, Milwaukee Bucks. Chicago Bulls plus 650 underdog. Man, you know, usually people who cover the team are a little bit optimistic, Corey, but you even heard Casey say it. He was like, hey, I don't think the Bulls can win this. And, I mean, all signs point to the Bucks having legitimately lost last Sunday on purpose to set up this matchup. It, it All signs indicate they wanted Chicago badly. They were 4-0 against the Bulls, won the last two by 28 and 21 points, both in the month of March. And the Bulls, you you also alluded to this, Corey, really a tale of two seasons. They went 27-13 and 13 in their first 40 games. They were looking like a really strong contender in the East. Then, as Vaughn knows, Lonzo Ball left the picture. And it's almost like things fell apart instantly just because of that. They went 19-23 and 23 after that. Just a massive loss for them. His defense and outside shooting were such a good fit. And the, the one other thing I'll point to is Zach Levine was so good in the first half, first 40 games, 28.5 points per game. 53 from the field, 43.8% on threes. He was dominating. We know he dealt with some knee issues down the stretch. In the second half, he dropped off. You know, 25 points per game. I mean, he's still very good, but he wasn't a superhero, and they need him to be a superhero against Milwaukee, even to have a prayer. I don't even, I don't, can they even get a game? I, I'm not sure, guys. Uh, well, I love to hear that, man. I love to hear what KC said as well, because I feel the exact same way being a Bulls fan. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Lonzo Ball, I didn't think he would be the biggest X factor to the Bulls season, but he has been by far. I mean, I know DeMar DeRozan. I shouldn't say the biggest X factor because obviously DeMar DeRozan has lifted this team up and MVP caliber player, king of the fourth quarter and all that good stuff. But the fact of the matter is with Lonzo Ball, the Bulls ranked fifth in offensive net rating and 18th defensively. Without Lonzo Ball, they dropped to 20th on offense and 26th defensively. So you're talking about 15 and eight different spots they dropped. 
without him. Now you're going up against a Bucks team that has all the historical matchup data against the Bulls. Every trend points to the Bucks. They've won 14 of the last 15 against the Bulls. They swept them this season already, beating them by 21 plus in two of those games. And then the Bucks overall in the first round, 12 and one in the last three years. So yeah, give me the Bucks series spread minus a two and a half. Give me the Bucks on the sweep uh, at plus 275. I already got them at 375 and 300 when it opened. Um, I am in love with the Bucks series sweep and the Bucks to run this one. I think the Bulls season has been tremendous, but every good thing comes to an end and it's over now. I think y'all are crazy. I mean, this Bulls team is going to work <laughs> over the Bucks. Are you serious? Now, I think if you know, nobody's mentioned Alex Caruso yet, if Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball were yeah. both healthy and playing basketball right now, maybe the Bulls could get a game. As it stands, I'm with Vaughn. I, I think it's a sweep all day long. If it's not a sweep, it's because something went terribly wrong. Giannis sat out a game or something like that. But, I mean, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. Uh, put your money on the Bucks. Yeah, that series price of the, the, that series sweep, Vaughn said he quoted at plus 300, plus 375, all the way down now to plus 250 to where most people think that the Bucks are going to sweep this series. Now, one of the series that we do not foresee a sweep in is a series between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. As a matter of fact, that series should probably not be in the first round. But the way things happen, that is what we have to deal with. But let's head out to Boston to our NBC Sports Celtics reporter, Amina Smith, for her breakdown of the Boston Celtics as we head into the playoffs. Key for this Celtics team to get out of the first round and beat the Brooklyn Nets, it comes down to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Both of them have to score early and often and dominate this matchup from the very beginning. But also, you have to take a look at that Celtics defense, one of the best defense, the best defense in the NBA at the end of the regular season. And leaning on that all season long, you have to lean on it going into this series against the Brooklyn Nets, who don't play any defense at all. Ben Simmons came to this Brooklyn Nets team looking to add that defensive prowess to it however has not been able to do so and might likely not show up in the postseason as well and they also take a look at Al Horford Daniel Tice stepping up for the absence of Rob Williams those are the keys for this Celtics team to dominate and come out with a win in this first round all right this is going to be a goodie right here we got to hop in here and break this one down because we got two of the better teams in the NBA probably going at it in the first round um we mentioned she mentioned Ben Simmons but hearing reports he could play in either games four five or six just like CeeLo so let's start with the expertise of Stephen Alexander then go around to Vaughn and Matt to break down this two versus seven matchup that feels like it could be a conference finals well Bruce Brown was talking about Robert Williams not playing and he, how he was excited that they were going to work over Al Horford and whoever whatever other big man they throw in there KD was like calm down uh we're not talking about that. But now Robert Williams is talking about playing in this series. I don't know. I don't think he'll play in game one, but it sounds like he may play somewhere in this series. I don't know that it matters. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both so good for the Celtics. But, man, that Nets team, when KD and Kyrie are both firing on all cylinders, I don't see anybody beating them. And I think this <laughs> – I think the Nets are going to be the hardest team to put out of these playoffs, and I, I think they're going to win it all. So I've got them taking out the Celtics. Uh, as long as KD and Kyrie are out there, I, I don't see anybody beating them. I'm going to totally disagree with that. I nice. If we want to talk about the Warriors of last year, the Lakers, 
the Clippers, run those teams back again this season and include the Nets in that situation. These teams continually let us all down. They're not the same teams as before, and these stars are not the same that they've been in the past, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, KD and Kyrie, arguably the best one and two duo in all of basketball. But um, when we keep talking about betting standards, I mean, Corey, I know you know this more than anyone. The Nets home has home favorites this season are six and twenty-seven against the spread, eighteen and fifteen on the money line. With Kyrie, they're one and six against the spread. Of course, they've won five of those seven, but the Nets don't have much of a home court advantage to say. And they're, but I think it's more of their defense. And we talk about Rob Williams. The Nets, when looking at how many, like, how much they like to score on points in the paint over the last ten games, they're ranking twenty-six in points in the paint. Um, so Rob Williams being out doesn't really make a huge factor. Now, if the Celtics are playing the Bucks in the next round, that's a huge factor because Giannis is getting to the rim at any given moment. Uh, but Kyrie and KD, they love to take their jump shots and settle. So I do like the Celtics in this series. The fact we're getting around, around 130, a series price on a number two seed, um, I think it's fool's gold not to take them. I mean, Vaughn, you make an interesting point there about Rob Williams and protecting the paint. But, I mean, I, I still think he's a game changer among the league leaders in blocks per game, 2.2. And I should point out, when I mentioned that Milwaukee lost against Chicago, they were also dodging the Nets when they made that move. And I think I would lean toward Boston if both teams were at full strength, but they aren't. I mean, Robert Williams is a key cog for this Boston team. And I don't know, Kevin Durant, like, since coming back from that knee injury, 31.1 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 51.5 from the field, 40% on threes, 93.5 from the line. That looks like vintage Kevin Durant for me. I think I think he's the best player on the floor in this series. We can debate who the second best player is. Is that Jason Tatum? Is it Kyrie Irving? But I don't know. All, all things considered, I, I lean toward the Nets. Um, I do worry a little bit about their defense melting down a little bit, maybe going too ISO heavy, but I don't know. KD and Kyrie. Kyrie, by the way, has been fantastic, too. And going back to that 50-point game in March, he's shooting 46.2% from distance. So it's just a dangerous combo. All right, no doubt. So listen, we're going to split on this one right here, fellas, because as the legendary NFL coach Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> record says they're the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. And the Boston sort of. Celtics say that they're the second seed in the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics winning this series right here. But listen, we got plenty of stuff coming up on the program. So, but first, let me tell you just a reminder if you don't have the NBC Sports Edge Predict the Rap powered by Points Bet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you have a shot to win thousands predicting what will happen in the NBA, the Premier League, on the PGA Tour and the NASCAR circuit. Once again, that is the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet. All right, the sun rises in the West, but can the Phoenix of Suns ascend to the top of the West again? Plus, some breaking news that will affect tonight's playing game. All that when we come back on the NBA Playoff Preview, powered by PointsBet. All right, get back up and Adam, NBC Sports Edge, NBA Preview, NBA Playoff Preview, getting you ready rock and roll and took a look at the Eastern Conference. Now we want to bring in our next group of analysts and get ready to break down the Western Conference. So help me welcome in my guys, Drew Densick, Jarrett Johnson, and Raphael Johnson. The Western Conference, once known as the best conference in the NBA for a long time, but now, you know, change with LeBron James and stuff like that. When we look at the Western Conference going into it and breaking down this bracket, the Phoenix Suns obviously coming as the one seed, followed by the Golden State Warriors, at plus 400, and then we have the Memphis Grizzlies at plus 600. Those are the odds to win the Western Conference. Uh, let's go with Drew, Jared, and Raphael. Drew, 
when you're breaking down the Western Conference, obviously it starts up top with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Phoenix Suns, best net rating in the NBA, uh, and they check every single box of what you expect when it comes to, you know, ultimately a title contender. Um, this is a complete team in basically every sense of the word. They have exceeded expectations after putting together a pretty impressive season last year and making their way to the finals. Some of their key players, namely uh, Chris Paul, got uh, a little bit of uh, extra rest towards the end of the season, which is always important because, you know, this season overall, I feel like has been unduly influenced by fatigue given that we had a very short off season and that a lot of these players played in the olympic setting uh, so the suns have weathered things well uh, and i think they have their team in a very good form in what is otherwise a pretty uh you know pretty meh western conference overall usually the western conference is the one we look at and we're like wow every single one of these matchups has a potential title contender and as we look across the board right now, I see teams like the Grizzlies who are inexperienced. I see teams like the Warriors who look old and injured. I see teams like the Mavericks who are going to be without their key star, you know, Luka Doncic. And then the Jazz are in disarray. The Nuggets, you know, are a one-man show. And the Timberwolves are inexperienced. So, you know, it, it is a who's who of, uh, you know, red flags across the rest of the West outside of Phoenix. And, um, you know, that's not to say that that's not built into the market right now. The price for a Phoenix to win the West is prohibitively short. But that said, uh, you know, it, it's short for a reason. This is the most complete team, and it's going to take a pretty special effort for one of these teams to overcome them. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with everything that, that Drew said because the Phoenix Suns have been the best team in the NBA by far throughout the course of the season, both ends of the floor. You talk about the star power in terms of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They've got one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's given him good production. You know, Cameron Johnson off the bench. This team has an answer at just about every position on the court. And like you said, it's going to take a lot for someone to knock them off. Um, I think that I'm going to take a contrary stance to all y'all because I just don't think that uh, Phoenix is truly a contender despite the fact that they made it all the way to the finals last year. They also lost and they also evaded a lot of key matchups. So despite Phoenix's record, despite the fact that they were in the finals last year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make it again. I just don't see it. I think they're pretenders. All right, let's stay right here because this is about to get very interesting because that right here just blew my mind. So let's stay right here with you, Jared. Let's start with this series right here. Suns versus the winners of Clippers and Pelicans. Now, Clippers coming to the matchup tonight as the favorite but we just have breaking news that Paul George will not be playing for the Clippers tonight. So no PG for the Clippers taking on the Pelicans. The game's in Los Angeles. Do you think the Suns go out this round, Jared? No, oh, definitely not. Oh, okay, okay. Let me no. get your thoughts on this series right here. Jared, you go first, Ralph, and then Drew, you bring it home. I mean, I think, of course, Phoenix isn't going to lose in the first round. That would be truly surprising. It's the second round matchup where I could definitely see them losing. But to focus on this one, Paul George is not going to play. I don't think that the Clippers have any chance at all. And yeah, it's, I mean, the number one seed traditionally gets that first round win, right? But I'm kind of looking more towards the future in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think in terms of tonight's game, I'd expect a heavy dose of Norman Powell. So, you know, if you happen to play DFS, he's an obvious choice there. But I wouldn't rule out the Clippers. Um, it's, it's not looking good for them in terms of the matchup. When you lose a player as good as Paul George, but you've got home court advantage. They've still got some other talented pieces in the rotation. Reggie Jackson, we don't you don't know what you're going to get from him from a nightly basis, but overall he's been pretty good this season. 
So, you know, I, I wouldn't call this for New Orleans right away, but they are going to be favored. You know, after once once this news hits and enough people get on the betting, that's going to flip. But in terms of the first round, I don't see either of these teams giving Phoenix much of a fight. You know, maybe you go six, but I think that's going to be the maximum for either of these teams. Yeah, we agree on this. And I think realistically, markets reopening right now with the Pelicans as one point favorites. I could see that coming down to a pick 'em and this game going off at about a pick 'em. That feels right without Paul George. He's obviously an enormously important part. He has looked good uh, since returning from injury. But there was a good amount of the season where I thought the Clippers showed you something pretty impressive, even in the absence of Paul George. So I would not rule them out of this contest at all, particularly with home court advantage. Now, Either of these teams drawing dead against the Suns, I think, is the right way to look at this series. Um, if this is more than a gentleman sweep, I'll be impressed by whoever is able to get two wins off the Suns. Really, in, across the entire NBA, the only team that I've seen really go toe-to-toe with the Suns and give them problems throughout the season is the Golden State Warriors. And certainly no one uh, on either the Pelicans or the Clippers, you know, they don't have the dynamic defensive piece like Draymond Green. They don't have the creator and, and shooting uh, of a Steph Curry. So neither of these teams really has the blueprint to make life tough on the uh, on the Suns in round one. So I think uh, Suns probably get through 4-0-4-1. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Suns should be interesting and easy win in this one. As far as tonight game go, the Clippers been playing all season without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Should be nothing uh, to get into it tonight. Let's get into our next Western Conference series, and this is going to be a goodie right here. 4-5 series, Mavs versus Jazz. Now, Luka Doncic, is reportedly probably going to likely miss game one of this series. But Luka and the Mavericks, the Mavericks 8-9 and nine this season without Luka. Matter of fact, when they played the Jazz on Christmas Day, Luka was not available for that game. Jazz got a four-point victory in that one. All right, uh, Ralph, let's start it off with you, and then we hit Jared and Drew. With Mavs versus the Utah Jazz, what do you think about this series, Rap? I mean, the, the headliner is Luka Doncic, and his health is the biggest factor in the series. Um, as you mentioned, they're under 500 without him. They are 17-6 and six since the All-Star break. They've been better offensively. The defense, it, not really slipped, but they're giving up a few more points per game since the All-Star break defensively. I think that's more about pace increasing more than anything. Both teams are in top 10 defensively. Um, Utah has been better even with their fourth quarter struggles. We've seen them absolutely collapse in the fourth quarter of some big games down the stretch. I think that's the biggest concern here. But when you counter that with the Luka Doncic injury, I think this series is going to go seven games. Um, If Luka can play without any issues, I think Dallas can win it. But if not, then I would probably lean Utah just because of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I think he's going to be a factor on both ends of the floor in the series. Yeah, I think that this series is up to Luka Doncic, what, how it goes. But I wouldn't say it's up to Luka Doncic and that Dallas will win if he plays. It's just Dallas will have a chance if he plays. I would take Utah no matter what. But if Luka is out, this team does not have a chance at all. I can't believe that Dallas is currently the favorites last time I checked. Maybe the odds have shifted, but that's absolutely insane to me. Uh, I looked at Dallas's record with Luca out this season, they're actually eight and nine, but those wins come with huge asterisks. They came against OKC, Charlotte, Lakers, Minnesota, Portland, Sacramento twice, Houston twice. So I don't care about that record. I just, how, how could you possibly have Dallas beat a Utah team as deep as this with as much experience as this? I honestly think that the Utah jazz could be in the Western conference finals this year. Hmm. That's an interesting take because I, I, I look at uh, this jazz squad 
And in, I feel like I've seen this before where you have a team that the chemistry is obviously being, being tested, being stressed. Um, you know, the stories and the rumors about the, you know, the degree to which these guys are getting along, playing for each other, playing hard, playing for their coach, expecting to come back next season. All of that is whiffs of it's just going to take one disappointing series, one disappointing, you know, uh, you know, couple of stretch of games. Uh, and, you know, these guys seem like they're ready to quit. Now, that said, you know, they get a wonderful draw against a Mavericks team that's going to be without Luka Doncic. My guess is it's going to be more than just game one. I would expect he'll, you know, it's a relatively um, spread out round one. We're going to see them play the first game on Saturday, which means they'll be the uh, the, the first game or they'll play on Monday, likely game two. Uh, you'll get two days rest. They'll play in uh, Thursday in Utah, Saturday in Utah. It's going to take until probably the next Tuesday, which would be game five in Dallas, before Luca will have had about two weeks of recovery time from this injury. We saw a similar injury to Kevin Durant in the year that they went to the finals and he ultimately tore his Achilles. Uh, and I don't think that realistically you're putting your star's health on the line for next season, uh, considering you know how much work you still have to do to build this team in the Mavericks. And so I, you know, I don't think they bring him back unless he is you know, feeling 100%. Uh, and and in, if they can get to game five with, say, a 1-3 series deficit, uh, and that and Luca is good to go for game five. I could see them bringing him back at that point. Now they will have dug themselves a hole. Luca is not, you know, so outstanding that he's going to be able to beat them by himself. Um, but again, this Jazz team looks like the blueprint is there that they, you know, will, would not uh, perform well if the going gets tough. Now, you know, the metrics say the Jazz are outstanding. The Jazz always have the benefit of home court advantage, which shades their metrics during the regular season to a degree. This team is a little bit thinner than last year without Joe Ingles, without some of the, you know, without anywhere close to the same level of play from Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and uh, to a degree, you know, as good as Rudy Gobert is in the regular season, he is a guy that you can solve in a playoff series if you have a team like the Mavericks that can play small, that has someone as dynamic as Luka Doncic. So ultimately, uh, the, my, my approach for betting the series, I haven't played anything early on here. Want to see how the uh, the first four games play out, and if we have a one three series deficit, if Utah can split the first two and then win the two at home, uh, and then we get word that Luca's coming back for Game Five, I think you're going to probably find Mavericks in the ballpark of say five to one to come back and win that series, and I think that'll be a fun way to play it. Interesting, right here, got a lot of different opinions on this one. I hop, I'll say mine, and I'll hop out, and we'll get on to the next topic. If this was, if Luka Doncic was playing, the Dallas Mavericks were going to sweep the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Utah Jazz are not a very good basketball team. They've been terrible on the road this year. If you bet this league every night, you know how bad the Utah Jazz have been. Dallas will win this series without Luka Doncic, and Donovan Mitchell will force himself away. We can come back and debate at some other point, but let's keep the show a little rolling right now. Now, the Golden State Warriors have returned close to the top of the Western Conference, but they're only going to go as far as Steph Curry's feet can carry them. For an update on Steph and the Golden State Warrior, let's head out to NBC Sports Bay Area and catch up with Monty Poole. As the Warriors have approached their first-round playoff series against the Denver Nuggets, there's been one overriding question the entire week, the health of Stephen Curry. Well, it's gotten better each day of the week. He did some individual work on Tuesday. He practiced on Wednesday. And on Thursday, he made the big leap. He scrimmaged with his teammates for the first time in over a month. Coach Steve Kerr says, it looks as if Steph's going to be good to go. However, there is still another day. Friday, 
If he gets through Friday, assuming there are no setbacks, no swelling, no pain, then all plans are go for Stephen Curry to be on the court for game one against the Nuggets on Saturday. The Warriors have said throughout this entire run-up to the postseason that if they're healthy, they'll take their chances against anybody they face. Well, with Curry re returning, joining Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Andre Iguodala, that'll be those four players together on the court for the first time all season long. You had Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, and you wonder, yeah, if they're healthy, they have a really good chance to make a good run in the postseason. All right, it's going to be interesting. If we, if we do see Steph for game one, heard that he is going to be on the minutes restriction. Let's break down this series. Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors. Dubs come in, minus 225 favorite. Drew, we'll start with Drew. Ralph, you'll close it up for us. Drew, how you handicapping this series right here, my man? So I was fine if they had given Steph Curry some – give him a minute restriction, keep him healthy, um, get some of your younger players some important uh, – you know, get their feet wet because this is a series that I find to be a, a complete mismatch in favor of the Warriors. Obviously, you know, Luke, you know obviously Nikola Jokic was, is the rightful MVP, in my opinion. I think he's the most dynamic offensive playmaker we've seen in the NBA in a long time. He improved his defense this year on top of carrying what is otherwise a clear, like, top three lottery team in terms of talent. And he has gotten them to this point. Congratulations. They are a disastrous matchup for the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green is the perfect player, particularly in the closing quarter, uh, to really make life miserable for Jokic. And at that point, if you if if the second, third, and fourth options are the ones that are going to have to create offense for this Denver Nuggets team, then Golden State's going to be able to pull away in the final frame. Uh, and I think Golden State makes short work of Denver. Now, uh, I think ultimately it's going to be important for you know Golden State to get some crunch time minutes for guys like Jordan Poole, for guys like Kaminga. I think those guys are going to be important for them down the stretch, you know, particularly at rounds two and round three, where they draw uh, potentially a very dangerous uh, team in the Memphis Grizzlies, young, talented, you know, super talented, uh, but young and inexperienced team in the Grizzlies, and then of course uh, a potential dream matchup, in my opinion, at least for the Western Conference Finals between the Suns and the Warriors. Um, but uh, you know, I think there are some positive signs for the Warriors, the fact that they've gotten to this point and that they have performed as well as they have at a team level without full seasons from Draymond Green, Thompson or Steph Curry is hugely impressive. Now, you know, everybody's saying, well, they we haven't seen these guys play. These guys know how to play well together. They've done it for their entire professional careers. It's going to be relatively straightforward for them to, uh, you know, find chemistry, in my opinion. And this is a perfect series for them to do that. I think if there is a sleeping giant in the West, it's the Warriors. And I'm excited to see how they handle this uh, Nuggets team. Yeah, I pretty much completely agree. I mean, look, there's absolutely no way that Denver is going to come out on top of this matchup without Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. It's just not happening. A lot of attention has been paid to Stephen Curry. I think that he'll be fine with the way he's been moving. He's been getting through practices. He's been slowly building himself back up. So I think that he'll be fine. But honestly, I think that the Warriors could get through this matchup with a 50% Curry. It's going to be all about him. But And we also talked about how they haven't played together pretty much all season. Well... Uh, how much does that really matter? Because if you look at the most minutes played amongst current teammates, it's some combination of Clay, Dre, and Curry making up one, three, and four on that list, with number two being Chris and Giannis. So, I, I mean, they have incredible chemistry together. I don't know. It's like not – these guys don't need practice time together. It's kind of just like putting on a, a nice fitting glove. What do you got, Ralph? 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Denver is going to need some out-of-this-world performances from supplementary pieces that I don't know if they're capable of doing it. Like, we've seen guys like Aaron Gordon and Will Barton play well in stretches, but we're talking about winning four games out of seven. I don't know if they're going to have enough. Um, There have been questions about Jamal Murray as to whether or not he could come back at some point in the postseason. I've also read about the mental hurdles that he's dealing with coming back from this ACL tear. And if anyone's been involved with sports, you know that if you're out there worried about getting hurt, chances are you're probably going to get hurt. Um, So I don't think we're going to see him. I think next year is going to be the call for Jamal. And when that happens, I don't know if Denver is going to have enough on the perimeter to kind of supplement what they know they're going to get from Jokic on a nightly basis. I got Warriors in five in this series. Ooh, that's interesting right there. Wow. I guess it's going to be a lot of side betting on this series because let me tell you something. From January 1st <laughs> to the end of the year, the Golden State Warriors were like five games over 500. The Denver Nuggets, one of the better teams in the Western Conference. In my opinion, the wrong team's the favorite. I like the Whoa. Denver Nuggets to win this series right here. So hey, I, I'd say it's going to be a lot of side betting when it comes to this group right here. But give me the Nuggets in the upset. All right, let's head on to our final Western Conference series. My Memphis Grizzlies, as I'm proud to say, the same Memphis Grizzlies that I said would win the uh, in our year in our season preview show. I said that we had the Grizzlies to win the division, cash that ticket at plus three seventy five. Jared, now you got Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Winner will more than likely get the Golden State Warriors, or in my opinion, the Denver Nuggets. Jared, let's start with you with this one right here. What do you think, Grizzlies versus T Wolves? I think that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to take this one. Um, I, when I look at this, I just look at matchups. And it, Ja Morant, he's clearly going to be able to just kind of take D'Angelo Russell out of the game. Bain and Brooks will take turns on the Ant-Man. And then, you know, they have some really good bigs on this team to bang with Cat in the post. And you saw how Cat completely got removed from that playing game. I think that's a bad sign from Minnesota moving forward as it essentially presents a game plan for other teams to do exactly what they did to Cat. And then you're essentially relying on D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards to bail you out, except Memphis has much better wing defenders. I'm really excited for this series. Um, It's right up there with Net Celtics for me because if you like your basketball with an ample amount of trash talk, this is the series for you. Between, you know, the Grizzlies, we know how much they like to talk. And you got Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards on the other side. This is going to be a really fun, like, if, fun series. Like, there, if there are any prop bets for your first double technical, <laughs> cash that in in game one because it's going to happen. But as for the matchups on the court, I think Jared brings up a good point with regard to how Memphis could potentially match up with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, the, the Clippers, they went small. They used uh, either Batum on him and then had uh, Zubac helping off as that secondary defender. Memphis can do that with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, the former being one of the best defenders in the NBA. So I think that matchup, I think it's going to be a long series either way, but I, I like Memphis to get through even with their lack of high-level playoff experience. It's not like Minnesota's that experience either outside of Patrick Beverly. So I think Memphis and seven would be my pick here. 
Good call right there. Where you got Drew? Bring us home, my man. Yeah, I agree. Generally, that this is going to be uh, this is a tougher test than it looks. Um, you know, the the team level statistics would tell you that the Grizzlies are a class above, um, and that they are kind of in the mix with the elite in the NBA. Meanwhile, Minnesota's you know a little bit better than average. However, the fact that this is the first ever playoff run for the Grizzlies, the fact that they do have a couple of matchups that I think uh, uh, Minnesota is going to be able to exploit. Uh, this should be a competitive series. Cat, uh, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns was not the player you were hoping to see if you were a, a Timberwolves fan in the playing game. Um, but I thought you saw some really, really positive signs from Anthony Edwards. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell showed that he can step up in the moment, and the Pat Beverly experience is absolutely worth watching. Uh, to, you know, have to tune in for these. These games are going to be the most entertaining of the um, different matchups that we have across the Western Conference, in my opinion, in round one. Uh, and I think realistically, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to have opportunities to basically get, uh, you know, value on the dog in a lot of in a lot of these games. I don't think either of these teams is going to be able to comfortably home, you know, uh, hold court, hold home court. Uh, and I could see both, you know, games one and games yeah, games one and two, as well as three and four split. And I think this comes down to, um, you know, coaching adjustments and and some of the finer things towards the you know, business end of the series. Ultimately, I think the Grizzlies do come through, uh, but I would be surprised if it uh, in any way, shape or form looks easy. It'd be interesting for points, but set a prop on how many technical fouls are committed in this series right here. Do like the Memphis Grizzlies to get past this one. So should be a very fun, a very entertaining series. But right now, if you like what you're hearing from our analysts, make sure you rate and subscribe to Bet the Edge and Round Ball Stew podcast. Round Ball Stew is currently dropping Monday through Wednesday and Friday throughout the playoffs. And Bet the Edge will have a new episode every weekday. You can also check out both shows live on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Want to thanks a lot. Give a big shout out and a great help from all the guys from the Round Ball Stew crew. When we come back on the other side, it's time to go to the other side, the other side of the window, as we are joined by Jay Croucher from PointsBet. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, back up and Adam, Corey Parson, Vaughn Dalzell, Drew Densick, and our main man, Jay Croucher. Jay, hopefully we can get that prop set technical fouls in the Grizzlies and T-Wolves series. Before we get to that, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Share with us the series with the most handle slash liability. Yeah, it's Boston, Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> as you probably would have guessed, that was minus 5,000 to be the series with most betting interest. Um, that is the big one. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia, Toronto, though, also taking some interest. But for the most part, everyone is lining up on Brooklyn, which we're totally happy with. Think 
very comfortable with Boston being being favoured in that series. But the public, I think, is seeing Kevin Durant, seeing Kyrie Irving start 12 for 12 in the playoffs, playing game against Cleveland. Uh, and that is dictating a lot of the action. But very confident that the Celtics are the better team. Still haven't seen Brooklyn play defence yet uh, this season. So we think that the Celtics will win that series. You know what? Um, Drew, we, we got we got Vaughn's thoughts on Brooklyn and Boston in that Eastern Conference segment that we let off the program with. Let me get your thoughts on that series right there between the Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the East was all about avoiding Brooklyn, but I'm like, why? They're the seventh seed. <laughs> They're the seventh seed, and uh, boy, was that play and win not confidence-inspiring. Um, yeah. They got basically perfect games out of everyone they needed to contribute, except for, Steph, uh, except for uh, Seth Curry, and they still – did not cover against that iteration of the Cavs. Uh, that was bad news for them. Uh, and I think realistically, um, their defensive woes and their defensive, uh, you know, sp- specifically against this uh, team with so many dynamic, uh, you know, ball handlers, they are in trouble. They're going to need to win these games 130 to 128. Uh, and I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know that you're going to be able to put up the points you need uh, to get, uh, you know, to get enough wins in the series to even really be in contention. My fair price is Boston minus 180. I think uh, the fact that it opened up at some shops with the Nets favored, I, all I could do is laugh. I have a mm-hmm. ton of Celtics yeah. exposure in this now. Um, and, uh, you know, just have to hope that the numbers and the eye test and everything comes together for this one. And the Celtics really are as good as I believe they are. And that the Nets really are as, as, uh, um, really are as, uh, suspect as I think they are. And there is a humongous deja vu all over again about the way that the Suns and the Lakers were priced last year. And the yeah. fact that every, everyone, ne- no one ever gave up on the Lakers. They all, oh, yeah, well, they're just going to flip the switch. They'll put it together. They got the star power. And they went up against a truly great team in the Suns last year. And the Suns ate their lunch. And this feels a lo- very, very similar. And, uh, you know, if it plays out that the Celtics come through this 4-1, I won't be surprised. You know what, Vaughn? Uh, Drew stole my thunder on that one. You know that legendary <laughs> photo of, of LeBron James, like, backing down Jay Crowder? You know, yeah. I was thinking about that in that first round series last year. Do you know since that photo was taken, the Suns have beat the Lakers 10 straight times? Talk about that right here. I know you're a guy big into the prop market. Are there any is there anything we should be looking for? And give me your overall handicap, how you would bet this series. I know you have a number of different options. I was gonna say, I actually wanted to hear Jay's opinion on the MVP market right now and what they've been taking on that. Because if you're a Suns, you know, a Suns believer like we all are, then, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you're not getting a better price on them all than right now. But, you know, if you're looking at the Giannis's or the John Morant's or those type of guys, then it's the same ordeal. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer the Suns are going to win the West. I love their path and what they have to do to get there. I mean, their second round matchup could be a piece of cake. Honestly, they might play 10 games before the Western Conference Finals starts. Uh, so, you know, outside of maybe Chris Paul or Devin Booker, is there anyone else too worth betting on? Yeah, so I think the the finals MVP market is really interesting and it's a fun one to handicap because the main thing is to break down the MVP equity between the players on each team. And so if you like Boston, for instance, like what's the breakdown between Tatum and Brown? I don't think anyone else can win MVP on Boston realistically. And so to me, it would probably be 
80, 80 to 85% Tatum and, and 15 to 20% Brown. And then you go from there and then you compare that to what the title price is. And so we took some sharp money initially on Donovan Mitchell to win finals MVP because we're probably a little bit out with our kind of equity attachment to Mitchell where he's basically a 100% chance to win finals MVP if the Jazz uh, go on an unlikely run and win the yeah. title. Where So you're basically getting the Jazz title price, just at slightly inflated odds because Mitchell is a little bit bigger of a price. So things like that are interesting. I, there's been a lot of Jazz slander so far listening to the show. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't completely write them off. I think when Mitchell and Gobert have both been healthy, they've been pretty close to the team last year was on pace to win you know, 63 games by point differential. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are writing off the Jazz because of bad vibes which i don't really yeah. think that you can necessarily price too much in i mean they probably mitchell and gobert they probably didn't like each other last year and they were the one seed and probably a mike conley injury away from from potentially going to the finals so just wouldn't, wouldn't uh, dismiss the jazz yet particularly as they've gotten this huge break in round one now it's a volatile situation. They're missing your guy jingles, man. No jingles is the problem. Uh, although it makes sense, though, with no jingles on the Jazz, that Donovan Mitchell would have 100% of the equity uh, in the MVP market if the Jazz wins. Thoughts on uh, just in general, is there a little bit of an untethering between the series prices and the futures market? Because I have a tough time thinking of like, okay, a team like the Nets, if their path, if the, you know, they're, they're, they're dogs right now to the Celtics. They would be dogs to the Milwaukee Bucks round two. They might be small favorites against the Heat, although I have a tough time wrapping my head around that if they get to uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. If you parlay those three series, you're getting like 12 to 1, which is a heck of a lot better than any bet you would make right now in the Eastern Conference futures market on the Nets. Um, is Am I reading this right, or is there something about like – if they do beat the Celtics, if they do beat the Bucks, that the market will just completely flip for them in their favor for you know the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, so it's a good point. And if you want to bet on the Nets, I would definitely be betting on them series to series, like you said, Drew. But there is an element of variability to the Nets where I think they're probably the most unique team in years from a bookmaking perspective in the playoffs where they have so much upside and so much downside because we haven't seen this team we haven't seen Ben Simmons, you know, wearing a Nets jersey. And if he's allegedly going to try and come back against Boston, then, you know, if we're pricing that he will be a part of rounds two, three in the finals. Like the thing is, too, is that if the Nets beat Boston without home court, if they beat Milwaukee without home court, then I think they're definitely favorites against Miami because just what that will say about their level of play having gotten through those two series. And, you know, if Simmons comes back and he's playing 35 minutes in the Eastern Conference Finals and Brooklyn have rampaged over Boston and Milwaukee, then you have to entertain the idea that they might even be favored in the finals as well. But look, that's that's the upside. That is the best case scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to lose to Boston in five, to be honest. But I do think that there is a lot of potential in this Brooklyn team where they definitely have the widest band of outcomes of any team in the playoffs, and it's not even close. All right, Jay, let's head to the Western Conference. Let's talk about to win the Western Conference. I guess your, my guess would be your liability is likely on the, the Phoenix Suns. I've taken out a future wager on two teams to win the West, the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies. What do you think? about the Western Conference. How's the book looking at it? 
Yeah, well, it's basically Phoenix versus the field at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, and it seems like they've gotten a, another break uh, with Paul George missing tonight. So they're probably, well, now they're more likely to be playing the Pelicans. And that that's a walk. I mean, that's like a Milwaukee yeah, yeah. versus Chicago type of price there. Uh, so, you know, they get the break as well, where Doncic being out as well lessens the chance of playing Dallas um, in round two. So, look, every, everything is there for Phoenix to go all the way. The, the one thing I would say is that you know, they are an elite team. They're, they're clearly the best team in the West. But at the same point, they're not like a 64-win team. They're more like a 59-win team because they had incredible, um, an incredible performance in the clutch. And there is an element to, yes, Chris Paul generally has incredible uh, clutch teams. But they're more like a 59-60 win team. So they're not an, they're not a Kevin Durant Warriors type juggernaut. Um, it's just that there's no real team in the West that gives you great confidence. I think Utah will be live against them in round two if they get through Dallas. Uh, and by live, I mean like plus 200 live. Uh, and then I think the Warriors are the team that has the most variance um, in the West just because we haven't seen that team at, together at all. Uh, and the numbers with Steph, Clay, and Poole on the court at the same time are ridiculous. You add Draymond into that uh, because those four haven't really played together. The Warriors can can absolutely win the West, but yeah, it is Phoenix's conference to lose at this point. So I think the Phoenix Suns are going to sweep whoever they play in the first round. I think there's a high chance they win in five games or less in the second round. Speaking of any West or Eastern conference, because I know you guys had to probably fire whoever priced the Bucks at plus 375 to sweep the, ball, the Bulls. Um, we Drew and I talked about that. Drew was like, the fair price is plus 180. And I'm like, they have th- 375 right now. Uh, so, of course, you know, I'm fading my Bulls in general. I'm going to take the Suns to sweep whoever they play. Um, but outside of them, any other teams you think that are good series sweep bets or uh, rather series spread bets like the Bucks minus two and a half against the Bulls? What about the Raptors to sweep the Sixers? What about <laughs> if we get creative? I think the Sixers I like the, I like the Raptors. Have- Plus one and a half. Like, I think that's a pretty solid bet. Like, like yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting series because, you know, I think the thing that is the biggest disconnect between what the public thinks about bookmaking and then what we do is, you know, we really don't look at like matchups that much in terms of how this team will match up against this team necessarily because that stuff is so margins. It matters, but at the same time, just like the level of your team matters so much more. But Every single matchup item of Toronto Philly goes in Toronto's favor. Philly are dreadful in transition defense. The Raptors are elite in that area. Philly cannot rebound offensively or defensively. The Raptors are a great offensive rebound and can't protect the defensive glass. So everything goes in uh, Toronto's favor. James Harden doesn't really have any matchup to pick on, and he really needs matchups to pick on now to be able to be successful. Know, in his current form, Nick Nurse has given Joel Embiid a lot of issues uh, previously. Uh, and Thibel, uh, it's not the most important series for Thibel, but still, you start getting into Philly's depth and there's nothing there um, in terms of wings. So, look, I think the Raptors are going to win this series, to be honest. Uh, and there is a lot of potential for disaster with Philly. But I think those are the two series, well, the two series where we're probably taking the biggest positions um, have been Toronto and, and Boston. Jay, before we let you get up out of here, my man, let me ask you about the, I guess, the the, the championship market obviously becoming here with the Bucks, the Suns, and I believe the Boston Celtics as the teams with three shortest odds over on points bet. So uh, break that down. And also, 
my guess is you're probably going to be seeing some action on a rematch of last year's final. Yeah, I think that's the conventional wisdom at this point is everyone is expecting it to be Phoenix against Milwaukee again. And I, that is probably the safest bet just because Boston have to go through Brooklyn, whereas Milwaukee have to go through Chicago in round one. Um, but if I was making a bet on the board, I would be betting on Boston. And the way I would be doing it, I'd be betting on Jason Tatum to win finals MVP, um, just because I think that he probably has slightly more equity than, than maybe the market is giving him credit for. Um, I've got a lot of Jalen Brown believers. Uh, I just don't really see it. I think that Tatum <laughs> is clearly the guy. And the thing as well about Boston against Brooklyn and Boston in general, in terms of looking at the championship market, I don't think Kevin Durant's that much better than Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum is now at that level where I still give the edge to Durant. I think it's very close. I think Tatum is that good. He's an elite defensive player and now he does whatever he wants offensively. Um, and if you're looking at a team that has that has upside, then it's Boston. And I think there's a very good chance that they make the finals and, and that they win the title this year. On top of that, you get uh, the fact that Jalen Brown's probably not going to be able to play in the Toronto games in the Eastern Conference Finals. So <laughs> Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Prince, Prince's MVP right there. Oh, Inter- that was a fun breakdown. Interesting stuff. Right now, I can tell you, Jay, with your comment on Jason Tatum and, and uh, Kevin Durant, the round ball stool guys are in, in the green room absolutely freaking out right now. <laughs> so we've definitely done a good job of letting everybody know our opinions. But, yo, Obviously, always good stuff, uh, Jay. Thanks a lot, my man. Definitely appreciate your work. Thanks for having me, guys. Go Celtics. All right. Don't forget to check out Jay as one of our weekly guests on Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Sarah Perlman and Drew host the show and will get you on with all the up-to-date information and trends and insights right before the games begin. Obviously, going to have a good time doing those programs as we head throughout the NBA playoffs. All right, when we come back on the other side, we put a bow on it. We bring it all home. We let you know who we like to win the East, who we like to win the S, the West, and who we like to win the title. All right, fellas, let's get ready to bring it home right here. We've got Vaughn, Drew, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. I want to thank everybody for rocking with us throughout the course of the program. Everybody watching live, everybody watching on demand. Definitely looking forward to an exciting NBA playoffs. All right, let's get ready to head it. Eastern Conference. Vaughn, I got two bets on the Eastern Conference champion. I got the, and I think it's the two teams that's going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I got something on the Milwaukee Bucks to win the East, and I have something on the Toronto Raptors to win <laughs> the Eastern Conference. Uh, that probably rings rings a uh, good good omens to Drew's ears because I know he had all <laughs> the Raptors stock at the beginning of the season, and now everyone's high on them. It sounds like so. Uh, I, I won't talk any smack on you taking the Raptors. Like I said, their first round game, I, I, the first round series, I lean them, but I'm not going to probably end up betting that one unless they lose the first game. Then I'll hop on the Raptors train. But I like the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks, man. I think these two teams are clearly the guys that are going to run into each other. I love Miami's path, and we just talked about Milwaukee smacking around on the Bulls. They'll get a beat up Celtics or Nets team in the second round. It's going to be fatigued. Uh, and then, you know, looking over the Bucks and Miami Heat uh, in over the past three years, you know, Miami's one and five at Milwaukee on the money line. They're four and three at home against Milwaukee. But now you add in Kyle Lowry and you're like I said before, you're letting Struess and Gabe Vincent play the roles of Hero and Robinson while these guys step up. Bam out and Bayo, huge difference maker in the series, no matter who they play. No one has a true center that they're going to be playing, especially if Rob Williams is out, uh, you know, and they get the Celtics. So I have the Miami Heat being the Eastern Conference Finals winner. I like the Milwaukee Bucks, my second runner up team. 
Uh, I just think the Miami Heat have so much depth, uh, so much camaraderie around this team, and I think they bought into what they can accomplish. So uh, I'm going to take a stab on the Miami Heat. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me, especially from a price standpoint. Miami Heat only ever only going to have to really slay one of the mighty Bucks or Celtics or Nets, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, that alone makes their price a little bit out of whack, in my opinion, at plus 450. Um, I do think ultimately the Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, at four to one, you're going to do better betting them series by series. And honestly, there's so much market support right now for the Bucks that I think you're going to get a really nice price on Celtics versus Bucks in the 2-3 matchup. And so I think ultimately, if you're trying to make the most money betting the Eastern Conference overall, maybe put a little bit of heat plus 450 in your pocket and then bet the Celtics series by series along the way. Um, Bucks, as impressive as they are, and they clearly have the best player in the Eastern Conference in Giannis Antetokounmpo, this team is showing signs of fatigue that spook me a little bit. And in a really, really physical series against the Celtics with Robert Robert Williams potentially coming back and being the defensive piece that you need to match up with Giannis, uh, I do think that uh, you know shooting goes well for the Celtics. They're going to be able to beat the Bucks in that series. All right, let's head on over to the Western Conference where the Phoenix Suns are the prohibited favorite. Same question, Drew. I got two bets in the West myself. I got the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies to win the West. Give us your take on the Western Conference. So I got a big old ticket on the Suns at 20 to one to win the title. And I have only taken out insurance by getting involved at the current price for the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are the only team that really spooks me to beat the Suns. If you watch some of those head to heads that they had versus, you know, over the balance of the season where the Suns were full strength, a couple of those games, the Warriors were not, and they still had a tough time getting past the Warriors team. The Warriors in general are, are a dangerous out. Man, I, I feel like we're not giving as much, much respect to the Memphis Grizzlies as I thought we would on the show. I and Corey, am. I thought it was your, your job of hosting the show to be giving the Grizzlies <laughs> the most respect. Uh, but honestly, I I kind I don't think the Golden State Warriors are as scary as a lot of people think. Like I've talked about the Nets and we talked about the Lakers of last year and all that good stuff. But I just feel like the Warriors f- still fall into that category. I, I'll say this. John Morant. Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bay, and these guys can hang around with a lot of teams. If you're going to get into a fast-paced matchup, like I like them series spread against the Timberwolves and that second round, second round matchup, I'll also take them up against the Warriors and the Nuggets. So while I do have the Suns in my pocket already, Corey, I kind of think the Grizzlies are that second team that I feel pretty confident putting money on. I just feel like John Morant is truly on a different planet. When you look at the young Russell Westbrook, young Derrick Rose, like, he, he's probably – he has a gap between John Moran and those guys with the athleticism and the ability. So I kind of like the Grizzlies long-term. You want to get back in here, Drew? Yeah, no, I agree with that sentiment. Grizzlies are the most dangerous team. That's the team you want to have stock on if you can bet on them over the next five years. Uh, I can entirely see a situation where we look back in 2025 and we're like, wow, this is the Grizzlies conference to lose. Like they have such a strong nucleus. Those guys are all super young and they're getting better. Uh, it's a team to keep your keep a, keep a look on for future title runs. But realistically, the best case scenario for them is they get their feet wet this year. They get a couple of you know they get one series win against the Timberwolves. They they fight hard against the Warriors, but ultimately go down. And then I think uh, uh, next year that's a team you circle. Yeah, definitely like the Memphis Grizzlies a lot. So I'm going to be in on them and rooting for them. But when we get to our NBA champions, I, like I said, my 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 thing is I got a rematch. Of last year's finals, I've already bet that over at points bet. 
that it was the shortest odds on you know exact championship matchups. So I'm taking the um excuse me, I'm taking the Phoenix Suns to actually win it this time, Vaughn. They are my champions. I wish I could tell you something better than that, but <laughs> I got the Phoenix Suns to win it all. Go ahead, my man. So this morning I bet two final series matchups. I bet the Suns versus the Heat at eleven to one. Um, and then I also bet the Bucks versus Grizzlies at 22 to 1. Good. Um, that's the series I'd like to see, Bucks and Grizzlies, because I'd like to see 125 to 122 every single game. Uh, but the chances of us getting that, I don't think it's going to happen because I do, like I said, I, I already got a stock in the Suns in the West. They're, they've been the best team all year, the best net rating team. I mean, you want to root for Chris Paul. So I have the Suns as the champ, and my two long shot series prices are Suns versus Heat and then Bucks versus Grizzlies. All about the Suns pulling this off here. Uh, I'm going to predict Suns over the Celtics in seven. I think home court's going to matter in that series. I think the margin between those two teams is very, very narrow. Uh, and uh, ultimately, if they can, you know, if, if if Monty Williams can work some magic, if he can come up with a couple of coaching edges and a couple of different, uh, you know, a couple of adjustments uh, against the Celtics team that we understand very well. Celtics, we know exactly who they are. They don't have a ton of rotational uh, pieces that you can, you know, you know, try different combinations. Uh, whereas the Suns, to me, are a more, uh, you know, a, a more flexible team with more combinations, with more variety. And I think that will ultimately get them past the Celtics team that is extremely, extremely talented. All right. Before we get up out of here, let's get the word from our finals pick from our Ron Ball Stew crew. All right. Matt's going with the Bucks over the Warriors. Steve is going with the Brooklyn Nets over the Finney Suns. Raph is taking the Suns over the Bucks, and Jared Johnson has the Warriors over the 76ers. <laughs> I will say this. We have to figure out a way to do a battle of the bets, some kind of round table with us versus the round ball stool crew because it's been definitely good to have varying opinions, but definitely best of luck to everybody out there as you get embarked on your 2020 NBA playoffs journey. I want to thank everybody in the back for making sure that we are done and get everything uh, situated for us. I want to thank Adam and Brian and Steven and the whole crew. Shout out to the Round Ball Stew crew and can't forget also Jay Croucher, for Vaughn Andrew, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. Our NBA playoff preview is done. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.